the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories across all the sports than The Athletic with comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around your favorite leagues and teams. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, get a personalized feed of exclusive ad free content. For access to all the stories at the heart of the game, use theathletic.com slash track and get 40% off your first year subscription today. Happy Tuesday. My name is Mike Gennetti. Here's the plan. A lot of talking, a lot of numbers, a lot of projections, a little, little bit of gambling. Okay. First 25 minutes or so, Scott Allen and I break down the franchise tags that did get offered and a couple of those that didn't get offered, what that might mean for teams, what that might mean for contract structures going forward. Nerdy NFL stuff, of course. A little bit of Dak talk in there as well, of course. Then, back end of the show, Cousin Dan is back for episode two of the MLB win projection over-unders slash which jersey should you buy? AL East, NL East divisions. Really interesting stuff. Of course, my Homer Mets are are in this conversation and uh, some surprises from Dan on this one. So good stuff on the back end of this as well. Good, solid show. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track. Grab yourself 40% off. Keep up with all the information about tags and extensions and free agents and top free agents. All of that's on theathletic.com today. Let's talk NFL franchise tags with Scott. Scott, welcome back to the show. The NFL franchise tag designation deadline window has just passed. There's no report from the NFL that it's going to be extended, even though we don't have a salary cap yet. So let's just start there because I've done my public ranting this week on that. Um, where are you with this this league salary cap situation? Uh, it's ridiculous that there is no league cap out yet and we're getting these deadlines we've talked about this before but the fact that these are estimated values and the teams are trying to go off of these estimated values to figure out you know where they're at at this current time it's just ridiculous it's they've dropped the ball yeah i know that most people aren't gonna take it as seriously as we do because we're a little too close to the fire here but it's just bad it's bad business you know hopefully that the communication between, you know, the direct communication between the league and these GMs is a lot more <laughs> informative than what's been put public. You know what I mean? I hope there's somebody out there saying, hey, this thing's going to be about 184, right? <clears throat> and the tags are probably going to be this. And, you know, because we're just spitballing. We're totally spitballing. You know, Sports Illustrated put out three different versions of franchise tags just in case. I mean, this is total. It's a total mess. Um, we're going to talk tags, obviously, here. There's 10 of them nine and a dummy one let's just put it that way and uh the deadline has passed maybe one or two more come in here i don't think so it seems like everybody's pretty set in stone but which ones jump off the page from you scott i think the biggest one that jumps off the page is uh brandon scherf in washington there at 18 million dollars <laughs> yeah. for a guard i think that's the biggest one that jumps off um you know, I, I'm kind of surprised Leonard Williams got it again. Um, the, yeah, the second well. tag is kind of kind of the discussion point here, right? I mean, Dak it got, is. technically Dak got his, Leonard Williams got his, Brandon Sheriff got his, Justin Simmons, and is that it? That's it. That's it. 
But I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of second tags. That's a lot of 120% of last year's tags in, in a year where the cap is coming down. So yeah, that I, I'd have to agree with you that Sheriff's 18 million is crazy. It seems like a placeholder and there's a deal coming, but uh, yeah. What else is there to talk about? Leonard Williams, probably a deal. I guess let's just go player by player and discuss the likelihood of a deal based on the team they're on, the position they're in and things like that. So we can throw Dak off the top here. And just for disclaimers, it Dak got the second franchise tag today because the timing of his extension has not fully processed. So Dallas just needed to do his due diligence, tag him, afford them an, a few extra hours to make sure that you know they don't <laughs> risk losing him to free agency before this deal signs. It's just semantics is all it is. You know what? It, it's actually a really smart thing by Dallas to to do this as a safe uh, safe bet there because mm-hmm. you know we we've had those issues in the past where yeah. someone fax machines unquote, right fax fax <laughs> the the thing in in time and then we had a marquee guy go on free agency. So you know it, at least they're doing their due diligence due diligence of. We know we're locking him in, but we need to do this just in case, you know, the, the signing accidentally goes over by a minute or two or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, no question that it's good business and you're just kind of covering all your bases here. So when you see Dak Prescott on a few of our lists here, that's all it is. It's just a, a, a rollover to when that deal is actually going to process. Um, Leonard Williams. He, he values about, you know, 20 million on most intelligent projections right now. He kind of only did this all in one year with the Giants after the trade from the Jets. The Giants are not in great cap shape. You know, they have quite a few offensive holes to fill. You know, I'm not sure they're 100% sold on their quarterback, even though if they'll tell you otherwise right now. Do you throw a $20 million per year defensive tackle contract on this roster right now? Is that what's going to happen here? Yeah, unless they can get a an extension figured out to you know make that cap go down, but I, I guess they're banking on the fact that Saquon comes back, Daniel Jones right. has a has growth, maybe not as much as Josh Allen, but to an extent of that. And then if you have Leonard Williams, then you at least have a stud defensive guy already on your roster again, in especially in a division where we saw what happened last year i mean if something similar happens you want to make sure you have those core guys and in the giants case they feel like this is a core guy that they must have yeah all that makes sense to me and i actually like your josh allen comparison there that you know similar in terms of where they were drafted it's that's probably the expectation to some degree for daniel jones and the giants and it probably means they have to go and acquire at least one wide receiver I'd I'd say free agent trade and then draft, you know, all those options are on the table. They have to obviously make the weapon set better for Daniel Jones in 2021 to give him any kind of chance. You know, I, I just don't know. I don't know about this Williams situation. I like the player a lot. I think he's uh, what he's done to kind of resuscitate himself is incredible. I just don't know if this Giants team is 100 percent ready for that contract. Um, and I'd equate it kind of to the Bears with Khalil Mack. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just, that's a good comparison. Yeah, there's everybody loves the player. Everybody loves Khalil. Anybody would want Khalil Mack in, in a vacuum, but there's just so many th- things to figure out offensively in Chicago. I 
you know, it's it's a waste of a big time trade and a big time contract for Cleo Mack. I wonder if that's somewhere that the uh, Giants are are getting themselves into here. But enough on that. Brandon Sheriff, can we just assume there's going to be a contract here? Uh, they can't leave him on an eighteen million dollar franchise tag, right? No, I would think that they're going to get something done. Yeah, injury prone last couple of seasons, so there's some red flags. But you know, if you're going to guarantee him eighteen and what's now what thirty three over the past two. You're just going to go and give him probably forty to forty-five million guaranteed. I mean, guard money is going to be stupid soon, and this is probably going to be Exhibit A in a couple of weeks here. But just for twenty twenty-one purposes, you got to get off that tag in that situation. Here's what I want to talk about. Let's let's bring all the wide receivers into one conversation here, okay? So we've got Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin who did get a tag. We've got Kenny Galladay who did not get a tag. What's the more most interesting of those three? Allen Robinson, I think. Okay. Yeah. Because of what we're talking about with the Bears? Because of what we're talking about with the Bears, we don't really necessarily know where they're going to go with their quarterback. So you're you're franchise tagging a wide receiver with unknowns of question marks at the quarterback, whereas at least in – in the other two teams of the Lions and Tampa Bay, you know who your quarterback is going to be to have that wide receiver there. Um, so I think the big, that's the biggest shock for me is Allen Robinson. Yeah, I think there's actually something to be said about Chris Godwin's situation. We kind of talked about it. You know, what was Tampa Bay going to do? And I think most people were leaning towards Shaq Barrett. But this is... I, I think it's safe to say this is kind of Tom Brady speaking up here, right? <laughs> that hey, we can't let we can't let that guy go. That guy's my guy, and uh, I don't even want to see him valued somewhere else right now. So I assume it's a placeholder. You know, the the around sixteen million dollar mark is good. That's good value for Chris Godwin. Um, I don't imagine he plays on that tag, but we'll see. That's a uh, that one surprised me, and I get it from Tampa Bay's perspective. Because, you know, all the projections we were putting out had him over 20 million to really good teams, Indy, Green Bay, something like that. So it makes sense to me that Tampa Bay just says, now nah, we're going to keep him in house. Uh, the Kenny Galladay situation is kind of unbelievable to me. So let me give you a, a little bit of a breakdown here. On January 30th, do you know what happened in Detroit? Nope. Matthew Stafford was traded to the Rams for Jared Goff. Right. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Here's the wide receiver situation in Detroit right now. Kenny Galladay, free agent. Marvin Jones, free agent. Danny Amendola, free agent. Mohamed Sanu, free agent. Jamal Agnew, free agent. Here's the three wide receivers currently under contract or control. Quintez Cephas? Cephas? Can't even say it. That's your, that's your WR1 right now. Victor Bolden Jr. and Tom Kennedy. Uh, Jared Goff... RIP. That's what that is. What are they doing? Yeah. How, how do you not tag Kenny Galladay and just at least explore the options? Just explore a trade, right? If you don't want to keep him, throw the 16 million, which is under his market value still. I, I, I don't understand this. This is a bad team making a bad decision. You just don't let guys walk for nothing. You just don't. I mean, this is one of the chips they actually hold right now. You know, they don't have many. I, I don't understand that one. That one's really frustrating to me, but I'm not going to spend that many time on, on the Dolphins here. Uh, offensive linemen. Couple, we talked about Scherf, the, the guard, who's 18 million because of his second tag. The 
going rate for the franchise tag at the first time around in terms of offensive linemen is around 14 million. It's probably going to be less. It's probably going to be like 13, seven, 13, eight. So when you're talking left tackles like Cam Robinson, it was just too good to be true. In my opinion, I don't think Jacksonville necessarily likes Cam Cam Robinson. There's too much inconsistency there. Uh, and I've gone on radio there where people are basically like, you know, it, there's not a chance he's getting tagged. So this is surprising, I think, to a lot of people. But you've got Trevor Lawrence coming on this team in three months. You just saw what happened in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes in that Super Bowl and a bunch of kind of castaway offensive linemen thrown together because of injury. And my response to this is just there's a left tackle that could be ours. Let's just keep him. <laughs> Right. Whatever it costs, let's just keep them. And we're going to get two more via draft and free agency. And, you know, we'll have a, a center and a guard center and three guards. And they're just going to load up to protect the heck out of Trevor Lawrence. So because this price tag dropped, I think Cam Robinson got a tag. And that's the easy answer here. You know, Taylor Moten is one of the top right tackles in football. So getting him at 13, six or seven is also incredible value. So I don't have any problems with, with, with what those two teams did respectively in Carolina and Jacksonville. You're just trying to figure out your quarterback situation and have an offensive line that's at least adequate for whoever's going to be, be the gunslinger. So, you know, we've talked about that a lot. Protect, get the line figured out, then bring the quarterback in. That, to me, is exactly yep. what's happening here. Uh, yeah. Finish us off here because it's a bunch of safeties. And I'm guessing you're going to make one your, uh, your star conversation here. Go ahead. Oh, we got Justin Simmons uh, from the Broncos, Marcus May with the Jets, and then the Saints with Marcus Williams. And what are the Saints doing? Look, I I actually had to tweet tweet out after this, and not about Marcus Williams. He's a heck of a player. Um, a, it's good value at ten and a half. Justin Simmons at thirteen seven on a second tag is good value. He's worth like sixteen. So to, to tag him twice has been un- unbelievable value for Denver. And everybody knows it. It's kind of the elephant in the room out there. I, I love what the Saints have done here. I, I love this. Uh, the Saints have negative 45 to work with right now. And they are just sticking up their middle finger to the rest of the league. You know, every so many other teams would be sitting on their hands, freaking out. What do we do? Well, we definitely can't sign it. We definitely can't keep this guy. We definitely shouldn't sign this guy. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Let's get on the phone and get as many trade offers as possible for three, four players. There's just no panic. This is such a no panic move by them. Hey, we like this guy. We're going to keep him for a few weeks. And if we can't figure out a long-term deal, we'll trade him. It's such a good move by a good team. Look, the cap stuff is all self-inflicted. All right. They do this to themselves with restructures and some bad contracts here and there and over and over signing. You know, they had depth where maybe you shouldn't have depth. Uh, but this is such a common, casual, and collected move just to make sure that they get something from this guy, whether it's a long-term deal, whether it's they figure out the rest of the cap situation and keep him on a $10.5 million franchise tag, or if it really comes down to the fact that they can't make it work, they're going to get some kind of trade value for him. To me, it's just good business. And I know people are going to freak out about the Saints cap number, I promise you, Mickey Loomis, the GM, is not. <laughs> he, you know, the, the way I worded it in my tweets, Scott, was he just loves to be challenged. There's no qu- at this point, he's just screwing with us. You know, do, how do, do I make this do, harder? <laughs> it, well, and do you, I wonder how much of that is playing chicken with the league of saying, all right, if you're going to get this deal done yeah. with, with the TV money and the cap actually stays or, you know. Yeah, what if it's up, 190, whatever. right? Exactly. Right. 
if they're, they're if they're playing chicken up until that deadline because they haven't given any information, you know, if, if they, their negative 45, negative 55, whatever it is right now ends up being negative 10 or negative 15, and then they only have to restructure and move some cap on four or five guys as opposed to 15 to 20 guys to make that work. Right. I, I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship and in, in playing chicken with the league. Well, of, right, let's, just, let's see just the whole unknown go. is a good reason to do this, you know, because they're going to be this. This guy's a good enough player where they're going to be able to move on from him if they need to. You know what I mean? Like that's last resort here. But yeah, that that's exactly right. There is that unknown hanging out there. So, hey, let's just bring this guy on. Let's keep him in the fold and you know, if the league helps us out a little bit, we'll, we'll make it work. Or, or if we can figure it out, I, I mean, the, the, the knock on this is this, they just don't have a quarterback. <laughs> Unless Taysom Hill's going to be the QB one. He's the only option under, under contract right now, essentially. Jameis is not under contract. He is a free agent now. So I, you know, it's not great to be operating like this without knowing who's going to be the quarterback. But I, again, I'm going to give him credit. I'm going to give him credit for just continuing to do this every single year, you know, eight years ago or so in 2014. Remember, do you remember when there was all this back and forth and they were ridiculously over the saints and there were a bunch of teams that were over and then they end up getting Jairus bird from the bills. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. On a, on a huge contract. on like a 50 yes. plus contract. Maybe it was five for 45, 9 million a year, something like that. And we were all like, how are they going to handle that? And they had no trouble. They, they moved some money down on a couple other contracts. They structured Bird's contract. So it was cap friendly in the first year. You know, just another version of that. That's all this is. They mm -hmm. like their defensive backs. You know, they're going to extend Marshall and Lattimore. And they're probably going to extend, you know, uh, Marcus Williams here as well. But for now, they're just going to keep that negative cap number going up. And the franchise tags a placeholder. They've got eight days to make things work and get themselves top 51 neutral. <clears throat> so there's time. You know, it's a challenge. Not many teams would definitely choose to, go, to work this way, but they've done it for 15 years now. And I give them a heck of a lot of credit for, for making sure that they're getting as much value as possible. That to me is what this says more than anything. We're not going to let somebody else just get this guy for free. We're going we're gonna to do whatever it takes over the next eight days to make it work. I, I give them a lot of credit. I really do. So kudos to the Saints for not being like everybody else, because that's exactly what this is. All right. The players that didn't get tagged. Yeah. Some Sha big names, too. Yeah. Shaq Barrett, obviously, number one. He's going to go out there. Uh, he's. I mean, look, there's eight days. Really, there's six days before that tampering window opens uh, for Tampa Bay to get something done. Are, are you in the boat with me where it just seems like that's going to happen? Or do you think Shaq's going to try to get paid? Both are completely option, you know. Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah. I, I I think this was a move of, you know, Tampa Bay tagging Godwin saying, all right, Barrett can go get what he is looking for, give himself a market, and if not, we'll bring him back. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's been conversations back and forth with the agent and, yeah. you know. It, I, yeah, do you feel I, like I they know that, they can get him? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think – I think they probably tagged the one that probably had a higher ceiling as far as overall value to other teams than than needed to be. So they let the tag go to Godwin and 
bear it. They'll, they'll figure it out. And if, you know, and, and maybe it is the lesser of two evils where if he does go, they have an alternate plan and plan B plan C to fill in the gap for him. I think that's right. Yeah. I, I actually think it's the, it's the first point that they think that they, they know they're getting him back um, in some capacity and they would prefer to, to spend long-term on him. That's my guess. That's, that's how I think I would handle the situation. Whereas with Godwin, I think I'm pretty comfortable on a one-year tender with him if that's how, what, what it ends up being. You know, I, I think maybe th- you can replace that kind of a position a little easier right now. And, you know, especially through the draft, we've seen so many great wideouts come out, come out of the draft recently. I, I just think maybe they're thinking a little bit more short-term with with the wide receiver position and, and a little bit more long-term with that pass rusher, which makes sense to me because look, you had guys like Indomitian Sue, Jason Pierre, Paul, you know what I mean? Like you were yeah. Levante David's getting up there. You just, you were, you were already getting pretty, pretty, uh, pretty long on the tooth there on that side of the ball. So keeping this guy around multi-year just makes more sense to me. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill this Tampa Bay decision too much at all. Um, let's go to the offense. Let, well, go, go ahead. Let, let, let me ask you this question because I know people that are trying to learn and, and be educated. Now now that these franchise tag deadline has passed, does that mean that the Bucks cannot even try to do an extension right now before the league year? Or could they still try to sign in him to an extension within the next eight days here? Who's that? God, Godwin or Barrett? Uh, uh, Barrett. A- anyone. Anyone that they have rights to is still under their tutelage. Okay. So um, they've got obviously so – they- so maybe they think they have a chance of yeah. just re-signing him outright within the next eight days instead of, you yeah. know. And then just to tack onto that, Scott, anyone who has been franchise tagged, that team has until July 15th to extend that player to a multi-year contract. After July 15th, that player can only play on the one-year tender, wherever they play. If it's that team, a different team, only that one-year tender. It can be more or less money, but it can only be a one-year deal after July 15th. So, so just some education on that as well. All right, a uh, couple of names on the offensive side of the ball. Aaron Jones, running back Packers, not tagged. Is he gone? Yeah, he's gone. There, there's going to be a, a plenty of teams vying for his services. We've got him at almost $15 million. We've got him in Elvin Kamara land. Um, I think in the current climate, that's probably a little reckless. But I bet he's in Delvin Cook's land, twelve and a half million per year, pretty good, solid two and a half years guaranteed. Um, I could I could name a few teams right off the top of my head that could do that pretty easily, and uh, I don't think he's going to have trouble. But this is a big piece. This is, you know, we talked about weapons and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers last this time last year. This is another one, a big one, that seems like it's going by the wayside. So. Uh, that's well, and you, like you said, there. there there's a handful of teams that have extra cap space, you yeah. know, that that could throw an extra dollar or two towards his way. I mean, think of you've already mentioned of Jacksonville with a new quarterback that they're going to have. You could bring the Jets, like, the Miami yeah. Dolphins. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, there, there's a well, lot of like, a lot of cap room there to work with. So I don't I don't know that Green Bay can hang with that, you know. Yeah, I don't know, and if if he walks. They better they better bring in someone via the yeah, free agency or in the draft to to help. There's an option there in AJ Dillon, but he's been injured. But two of their running backs now are going to walk: Jamal Williams and, and Aaron Jones. So, yeah, they're going to have to do something and, and address that pretty early. I mean, that might be 
an early draft weapon that Aaron jo- uh, that Aaron Rodgers has been pining for. A couple other running backs quickly. Kenyon Drake, no in Arizona. Chris Carson, no in Seattle. We had a lot of discussion on him. That's a nice name to hit the market. Really versatile player. Uh, I don't imagine he comes back to Seattle either. These other teams that we're talking about, if they miss on Aaron Jones, Chris Carson's probably the uh, the, the plan B for a lot of teams. How about uh, how about some of these tight ends? Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, really the top two tight ends available this offseason. Neither tagged. And it was a, you know, it's a less than $10 million tag for a tight end right now, we think, projected. Thoughts on that? Is that, is that trouble for the tight end position financially? I don't know if it's trouble, but I'm I'm surprised by the Smith, uh, him not getting the tag. Again, if the, the, the team thinks they can re-sign him before he becomes uh, an actual free agent, then great for them. But, you know, I'm kind of surprised by him. Uh, Hunter Henry, I think he's had some injury issues. So, you know, maybe the Chargers just want to move on and maybe they have their eyes set on somebody else. Um, but... There are some big you know, time teams that need tight ends. But. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say there, there are teams that do need some tight ends, yeah. and I could see them putting an offer out there. But at that that tight end position, you know, they still need to be financially eff- efficient with what they're gonna do. They can't overspend on some of these tight ends like they have in the past with like Jimmy Graham and yeah. you know. And, um, yeah, uh, look, the they, last one, the, the, the breadwinner last year was Austin Hooper, who got $10.5 on a multi-year deal with Cleveland. That's about where I have both of these tight ends valuing, which which means that, because these guys are younger, uh, it, it means to me that we've kind of plateaued in terms of where tight ends are valued. You know, unless you're a freak, like a George Kittle, you know, and certainly a Travis Kelsey, uh, I think the distance between those two contracts and a lot of these other tight ends because OJ Howard's not going to get paid yet. Evan Engram's not really there yet. A lot of these like high drafted tight ends, I, I just don't see a massive payday for them. So I, I do think there's a bit of a troublesome future right now with the tight end position. And maybe it's coming back down to normal a little bit because it had a three or four year boom with freak athletes in the position. And I don't just don't I don't think we have that right now. And that to me, that's what this says. Do you, to me, this do you says, think, go get valued. We don't think it's what you think it is. And then when it's not, come back to us. <laughs> do you think teams are getting to a point where they would rather spend that money on an extra free agent than spend it on the tight end position so that because of the passing game, they if, if they can't get a tight end that is as versatile as some of these tight ends that we've seen with George Kittle and Kelsey and, and Gronk to a certain extent, you know, they'd rather just spend that money on trying to go after an extra wide receiver because they need to spread the field out a little bit more than what some of those tight ends might be. You know what? I, I think it's more of a running back situation, Scott, where we're seeing nice veteran tight ends be thrown by the wayside a lot more. I mean, you know, Kyle Rudolph, Zach Ertz this year specifically, right? That's been kind of a trend over the past couple of seasons that there's some names kind of thrown out there into the open market and on a one or two year deal, wouldn't you just rather have the sure thing than take a chance on a big time contract with a younger kid. And and then subsequently you're seeing third round, fourth round tight ends become extremely valuable and useful, similar to the running back situation. So you're, you're just not needing to spend big time assets either in free agency or in the draft to get the guy you need for a couple of years 
So I think it is trending more towards the running back right now where there's a, a cheap veteran and a, and a mid-round draft pick situation that is dropping the overall price tag for even a good tight end. You know, The great ones are going to get paid, and that's any position. But I see a little bit of a coming back down to earth at the tight end position. And to me, this is proof because these two players, they're talented enough to at least be considered to keep around on a placeholder, and that didn't happen today. So we'll see. All right, Scott, here's a name you might not know too well, but I've been talking about this guy for the past couple of weeks, especially in terms of market values. The Rams did let John Johnson walk. He's a young, really good safety. Um, And we did see a bunch of safeties get that tag. The Rams just didn't feel like they could get him in in terms of a cap and maybe extend him to what they, I guess, value him as. I think he's going big. I think he's going like 14, 15 million a year. He's that good. I think a team like Cincinnati... Or, uh, or Cleveland or somebody looking for a defensive back to really shore up their current situation. Maybe the Raiders who just released a couple of players. Uh, I think he's getting big time money. And that's the one, that's a miss to me from the Rams. You know, the conversation we just had about Marcus Williams and how New Orleans is at least trying to hold on to whatever value they would have with him. I think the Rams had a chance to do that. And for whatever reason, they just decided not to go that route. So that's one of those players I'm surprised isn't on a franchise tag list right now. Anybody else standing out for you? Mm. I mean, Smith Schuster. I, I don't know if it's a surprise, but nah. I mean that that's a that's a name. Yeah. Um, Pittsburgh's got plenty of options to fill in with him already, so they were never going to be able to afford him. Well, I mean. Matt Judon, Bud Dupree, those are interesting names. I mean, Levante David just came off the board, so he's mm-hmm. he's being re-signed. So, um, no, you know, there's no super marquee names outside of the ones that we've, we've talked about, I guess. Um, but just because there's not super names doesn't mean that these are not guys that are going to get paid. I mean, there's going to be teams that are going to be looking for these guys' services and – you know, it, it's going to be interesting with a combination of where teams are at free agency time, where the cap is, because like I just said, some of these guys are going to get paid or some of these guys are going to get overpaid because teams feel that they have to jump on these. And there's always a few right out of the gate that overpay and, and surprise us. <laughs> Let's just say it. it's going to be the Raiders. Um, <laughs> the Raiders cleared 50 million of cap space this past week, 50. Who do they think they're getting? It's crazy. I can't wait. I'm ready for that show. Yeah. How about yeah. this? Let's finish on this. We we've talked about a few of them already and you just named a few more, but we, we've had conversations the past couple of shows, Scott, about how, you know, the, the pass rusher situation is getting weird. Um, you know, the Jamin Clowney mess was weird. He wasn't a true pass rusher. He wasn't getting, you know, he had kind of a one and done year with big time sack production and he hasn't really touched it since we're, you know, we talked about how inconsistent Leonard Williams was before his last season where he's being valued now at 20 million, but teams are kind of major league baseball free agency in these players, right? They're kind of colluding and saying, Hey, we got to stop going 25 million a year on these, on these kids because it's just not happening on an annual basis. You know what I mean? Like it's coming and going or the injuries are stepping in. It's just, there's, there's so many reasons and red flags not to pay these guys that teams have started not to in a lot of regards. Here's why I'm bringing it up. 
I'm, I'm reading off of a Tom Palacero tweet, by the way, from NFL Network, who did a nice list of um, players that were not franchise tagged today. And if you look at the defensive list, Shaq Barrett, Matt Judon, Bud Dupree, Leonard Floyd, Hassan Reddick, Carl Lawson, Yannick Ngakwe. That's a heck of a lot of pass production, pass rush production right there. That's a heck of a lot of sacks right there that are going to walk unless they're extended in the next couple of days, which is possible, of course. But for one reason or another, their teams didn't dictate that a franchise tag was worth that placeholder. That's Those are big names. So what happens to those big names, Scott, when this thing opens up March 17th? Um, does it turn into a Jadavian Clowney situation where everybody just waits everybody else out to let these guys drop into the, like the 11s and 12s? Or are these guys all going 16 to 20 million plus? You know what I mean? It's a bad answer, but it all depends on where that cap is. I mean, we can't, oh, I know. We can't, we can't overstate that because the, the way that things could shift, I mean, if an, an extra 10 million is added on there or 5 million, that that's a lot in some of these teams cases. And yeah. that, that could go from no cap space right now to having cap space. So it, it really depends in uh, more so on the guys that, or the teams that do have a lot of space, you know, you add an extra 5 million in space on top of the 70 that you already have. That's an extra 5 million on a signing bonus that you could throw at one of these guys and then prorate it. So it, it really depends on where this cap is going to go. Yeah. Um, but every year there is a, and we ran through it a couple of episodes ago where m- most of the guys have been, defensive players in the last 10 years that were the highest paid in free agency. One of these guys could be that and, and team is going to overpay for their services because they think they're a game changer. And if you land that player right away in free agency, it tells you that a we're open for business and we want to bring in guys. And if you get the right guy, yeah. there may be other guys that follow sequence and say, all right, I want to go there because they're putting together a, a defense that I could be a part of. Yeah. It's a good point. And it's kind of what Arizona has already done. Correct. That, I mean, yes, they have. that's what the JJ Watt signing was most yes. for them. It was a statement that we're, we're here to, to make make progress, to take a step forward. And, you know, they just let Hassan Reddick, who basically had 20 sacks, walk because J.J. Watt took over his cap space. So I I get it. You know, you know, could Jacksonville could Jacksonville bag three of these non-tagged players? You know, yes. Shaq I Barrett, Aaron Jones, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, maybe John, maybe one of the tight ends. You know, they could use all of it, quite frankly. And if they think that this is the year to pounce and that – Trevor Lawrence is going to be immediately ready to go. They could, they could reach out to all those agents and say, look at, we want all this, this group together as our class, as our 2021 class. And they could come together and make it work. It's, it's very, very interesting. By the way, you mentioned Levante David just got signed. I want to finish on this Scott. He gets two years, $25 million. This is going to be a recipe for success. The next couple of weeks, it's being reported by Mike Garofalo, Garofalo NFL network that this deal is a five-year deal with the back three as void years so that they can spread out his cap his cap situation. And it sounds like his 2021 cap hit is going to be $3.5 million this year. Wow. So two years, $25 million, $20 million guaranteed, but only $3.5 million on the cap because of three void years. 
get used to hearing that kind of language. This is coming. And oh, by the way, Tampa Bay doesn't do this. They don't do signing bonuses. They don't do void years. So now they're doing it, which means Tom Brady's about to get it in his restructure, which means any other free agent coming back, you know, Shaq Barrett's deal probably included, they're going to have this kind of structure. It's all about pinching the pennies this year in terms of the cap. This is example, right? You know, exhibit A. JJ Watt got the void years to lower his cap to 8.5 million. It's just where we're going. Every team is breaking structure to do this. Go ahead. Are, are we also going to see where maybe this, as well as they structure like an option bonus in year two, so Ooh. that next year in 2022 is where a cash influx is going to come in, so that the cap can remain low this year? Do you think there's going to be some cap manipulation with that too? So I'll, I'll give you Dak Prescott's uh, contract as an example. And if you haven't seen that, I've put out a, a kind of a video breakdown of, of the contract kind of step-by-step step, and also a uh, an article out there that breaks down everything you need to know about Dak Prescott's deal. But here's part of it. So Dak Prescott's contract is four years, 160. There's two extra void years on it. So six years total. Here's why. The signing bonus of $66 million is prorated over the first five years. Four actual, one void. Why did they add the second void then? Why is there a sixth year if they can't even use it right now? Because they plan to. It's written into the contract that the second year salary, the base salary of $20 million is going to get restructured. They already know it's going to happen. It's going to happen immediately. So that, that brings it down to like you know $2 million. They'll convert $18 million into a signing bonus. And then that signing bonus now prorates from 2022 to 2026. So two void years with the purpose of prorating two separate bonuses one this year, one next year. When you're talking about your big-time free agent contracts, that will be the process. It's essentially the signing bonus option bonus, but you know, you're building in a restructured salary instead. It's good business for quarterbacks and positions of power. You're going to see a lot more of what we see with Levante David and J.J. Watt, though, on the norm. Anybody yeah. who's worth a damn is getting the two years with void years to spread it out. Anybody who's just average or above average, only getting one year. That's it. You're getting one year, maybe five million, you know, around there. It's going to be bad for those kind of guys. If you're not clearly above average, um, your chance of getting multi-year right now is pretty bad. So, a lot of a uh, lot of lingo and stuff like that. But we're trying to do our best to educate you with tweets and articles and podcasts and all that stuff. Of course, hit us up at Spotrek on Twitter with any questions you might have as we continue to ride this wave. It's official. It's here, Scott. March 9th. Welcome back, Cousin Dan, edition two of the Major League Baseball win projected totals over under slash which jersey should you buy from each team segment. Is that properly named, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's about as good as you're going to get right now amidst a uh, flurry of NFL moves that I probably should be focusing on. But I got to have some sanity here with some baseball. Let's talk AL East. Um should be a good one. Should be a sneaky good division. Is that how you would interpret it too? I mean, I feel like there's a couple of teams getting dogged right now in this division. Yeah, I think at first glance, um, the public perception is it's kind of a train wreck, but I think there is quite a bit of meat on the bone with some of the uh, some of the lesser known teams. So yeah, yeah, let's jump in. Well, let's, you know, let's not bury the lead with the bottom team because the Baltimore Orioles are as bad as advertised, even though they did make some acquisitions. Freddie Galvis, just kind of a utility player, you know, just kind of a play a bunch of positions kind of guy. Felix Hernandez is just trying to make a squad, you know, outside of that. 
what has this organization done to make you think that they're one step closer to that next level? When you phrase it like that, not, not too much, to be honest. Um, I, you know, looking down this roster, there's not even a whole bunch of guys that you, you would assume that they're planning on for the future. It's more of, um, stopgap guys, if you will. I mean, some of them might turn out, you know, might turn out to be long-term, um, you know, fixtures in their lineup, but, um, they're, they're kind of in the middle of like a full gut rebuild here. Um, even though I, I will say I do, I do like the offense on this team better than most people probably, um, would be into them, but I mean, the pitching is, a, the pitching is in rough shape, bullpens in rough shape, and there's really not a lot coming up in the pipeline. So, um, yeah, long-term they haven't really done anything to, you know, make me feel good about them. But, um, in the short term, I do like their offense quite a bit more than the, than the field, like I said, and, um, they, they play in a great hitters ballpark. So I think the power, um, is present on the team that they, the offense will surprise some people, but they're going to have to outscore some, um, pretty good offenses in that division. Yeah, no question. You know, Santander, it's a big year for him to see if it's for real. Trey Mancini back in the lineup is just an incredible story. No matter what happens, they, they traded Alex Cobb and that was the final nail in this pitching staff. In my opinion, it was, we, we don't, we don't want any veterans at this point. None. We we're looking, it's a total transition. You're right. The kids that they have in the waiting and they're good. They're just not ready. So there's no reason to build any kind of roster right now and spend money in a weird year anyway f- towards a roster that is just, it's just not ready. I mean, John Means could be a guy. We'll see. This is a big year for him too. So there's some, you know, uh, watch list type players on this roster. That's about it. 63 and a half is the number. And this is the second lowest number in Major League Baseball to the Pittsburgh Pirates. So are they going to win five more games than the Pittsburgh Pirates? That's the question for you. I, I truly have a hard time getting there. I don't know how they do it, but I do. I, I do. I do. I'll take the over and I don't have a good reason for it, but I'll take the over on that. I think they can. I think they'll be able to score outscore some teams. Um, I think some other teams in the, this division might have um, a little bit of inflated uh, win total numbers, but um, yeah, I don't feel good about it. It is not a comfortable thing to say, but I'll take the over on, on the, the Orioles 63. Uh, I'm going under. And the reason I'm going under is because of what we're about to discuss next. <clears throat> so, I'm, excuse me, I'm going, to, I'm going to not give you an answer yet until we get there. Is the jersey easy? On this one? Um, well. I mean, it's not Chris Davis. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I mean, I think it's tough because of basically what I said. There's not a lot of guys you think are going to be there long term. I mean, obviously, the Trey Mancini story is incredible. Okay. He's a guy He's a guy you would want to root for, you know. Um, so I, I could see you doing that if you want a little different, um, lesser known name, Ryan Mountcastle is probably going to get a lot of play at first base this year. Um, he could really develop into, um, a bit, a bit of a slugger type player. Um, uh, yeah, I like him long-term. I'm just so buying I, the, I the Adley Rushman Jersey, Dan. Oh yeah, no. And that's a good, yeah, that's all um, I'm doing. Yeah. They have, they have other options there, so you might not totally see him this year, but in terms of like a long-term, you know, Jersey investment, I think he's, he's obviously going to be a fixture in that lineup. I like that call a lot. Yeah. I, I think you get it now and you wear it proudly at Camden Yards as a sign of 
yeah, we're, we're, we're waiting for better days. Like <laughs> there are better days on the horizon very, very soon. And, uh, you know, he's kind of the, the first piece of that, the integral piece of that. You're right. Mountcastle's a, a player too. So if, if I were to try and, if I were to try and burst your bubble though, the, the, the not to, um, you know, chalk up the last 10, you know, not to put the last 10 years of Baltimore failures on, um, on, on Rushman, but, uh, the, the, the Orioles have done a pretty terrible job of developing catchers. Um, back to Matt Weeders, Chase Cisco. Uh, it's so I could totally uh, see that going south. No, I'm just uh, I just want. How many catching that. prospects have really worked out? No, it, it's very. It, it's really a good point. You, it's a it's a sort of a high profile position. So you you hear about it and you know it's it's kind of the thought of a of a catcher who can hit 32 home runs and 90 yard right. guys or something like that it's really a sexy thought but it, it it almost never comes to fruition and if it does it's it's such a short lifespan so um yeah that i i i agree catchers are like um goaltenders in hockey where they just take an extremely long time um to really hit their peak and and by the time they hit their peak they're usually a post type prospect and and teams have moved on already so Fair enough. That's enough Orioles talk. So we are <laughs> split on Baltimore. You're over. I'm under. Here's why I'm under. I think the Boston Red Sox are undervalued. Um, I know they let a few more pieces go. I know it's been a theme over the past 18 months or so since the new president came in. And, you know, they've been really kind of scolded for playing a little bit of money ball ever since the Mookie Betts departure, which, you know, you're not going to get over that. That's just... There was, there was never going to be a good, a good time to make that move. So you're either going to sign him or you're going to not sign him and trade him and pay the price. So they're paying the price still until they can start to win, which I think happens because I think some of these acquisitions are sneaky, sneaky good. Adam Adovino, sneaky good. Garrett Richards, fine for the back end of your, of your rotation. Uh, you know, Marwin Gonzalez can play a, a bunch of positions. That's what this team needs right now. There's just a bunch of guys. Kiki Hernandez, fine, right? I mean, role utility players with a little bit of power. It just seems like there's more bats to be had here and more outs to be made here than they had last year. And the number is 79 and a half, which means that Vegas is just betting on them not being an 800 team or excuse me, a 500 team. I think they're a 500 team. And I think they take a lot of Orioles wins away. You know, if they're the second worst team in this division, I think they are markedly better than what Baltimore should be. So I'm putting them over 80, which would make me over the Vegas number right now. I I agree with you there. I I I think it's I think it's right on though. I if I could take that number right there, I I would put them at a 500 team, and I I really I really like the offense. I think they have very few holes, and they they have really good depth this year there, but. Um, I just, I still don't see it with the pitching staff. They got absolutely slaughtered last year, especially in the bullpen. Um, and I don't think they've made that many changes that I feel real comfortable, but um, I do like some of the names you mentioned right there. Um, so I see it there. I, I, I will take the over cause I do think they're a 500 team. Um, I just, I, I don't think it goes beyond that. You know, I, I don't think they come into, um, you know, contend even wildcard contention this year. And I say that mostly, um, with the, with the thought of the pitching staff in mind, it, there's just nothing there that I really like the offense though could certainly carry them. So yeah, I, I agree with your points. There's a world where Rafael Devers is the, is the best position player in this division, right? Um, offensively. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, defensively, no, I, right, I don't think right. you were trying to make that point, but um, <laughs> yeah, offensively, I think he, 
Um, you know, he, t- he took a little bit of a, maybe, you know, half step back last year in the shortened season, but I, um, and, and I know we had once previously discussed, maybe, you know, he's a guy they, they try shipping out after Mookie, um, gets shipped out, but I, I truly think, um, he's still a rising star and, and he's somebody that they would choose to build around long-term still. Um, you know, the, the defense has its deficiencies, but offensively he's, uh, he, he, he doesn't have too many holes. I mean, he's not like a stolen base guy at all, but he, he's, he could be a fixture in the middle of that lineup for, right. for a good chunk. He's of the only 24, years, so. right? Yeah, I, I know. And, and that's some of these guys, we almost get, we almost get tired of them at a certain point. And really it's been good production. I mean, two years ago, he was, I, I think he finished like third or fourth in the MVP voting. Mm-hmm. He really had a, a totally, uh, put together, uh, well-rounded year. So, um, I, I, I still think we haven't seen the best from him. Um, so yeah, I like him as I like that call. I, I like him as maybe like a underrated MVP type candidate probably won't happen, but I do think he could put together a monster year. Okay. We're both over on Boston. And I think that makes sense. That's probably going to be a, a look that the, the pitching rotation was just banged up. I mean, Evaldi couldn't get on the field. Eduardo Rodriguez had a, had a weird shortened year. If those two are healthy, you're already off to a better start. Then, like I right, said, Garrett Richards and Martin Perez, another vet on the back end of this thing, if they can just be serviceable, I, they're going to be better. And, yeah, you're good. You're no, you're right, Mike. I, I, as you speak it out um, into existence, I, I feel a little bit better about it, especially if you get anything out of Chris Sale that's kind of gravy on top. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, 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 pro- I, I should probably walk back my pitching. Um, pitching comment. No, you're right bit. about yeah, the bullpen. I, I, I they didn't do enough over. in the bullpen, Dan. They didn't. Uh, Matt Barnes just isn't that guy. He, he's he's too up and down for me, even though he's serviceable. Um, if they're going to win a bunch of games, you know, if they're going to be a, a bunch of games over 500, there's, they're going to have to address that bullpen. But that's most teams come July. So that's a that's right. a fixable problem for a lot of teams that are, you know, kind of dangling in the middle where I expect them to be. All right, let's it, move. Go ahead. It, just real quick, if that if that if they are in the um, like the NL Central or the AL Central, I think I feel totally different. I, I would, I think they're a contender in one of those divisions. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, as is a weaker division. I just this is a pretty good, well-rounded division in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, yeah, let's let's move on. So if we're saying Boston's basically an 82-83 win team, what are we saying about Tampa then? Who a lot of people are out on because of the the you know, the players they relinquished this off season, um, you know, Blake Snell being kind of the poster child for that. Where are you on this team right now? I mean, in terms of what they replaced this pitching staff with, it is prototypical money ball. <laughs> they took Blake, Smell- Blake Snell's $11 million and turned it into three veteran pitchers. That's just, I mean, it's as clear as day that that was the plan. We're, we're going for depth. We know we're not going to get another guy like that right now on this roster. So, so we're going to turn that into Waka, Archer, and Rich Hill. And we're going to hope that, you know, Ryan Yarbrough as, a, as an opener and Tyler Glasnow as a legit ace now is enough to hold our fort in the division. Can they hit enough? And can that pitching staff at least hold the fort? Man, I don't want to doubt them, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's yeah, great. It, it, at first glance, it, it's not great. Um, it's not, it's not exciting. Not to say it's not great. It's just really not exciting, but they, they put it together and very few organizations know how to make the pieces fit. Um, they have a lot of really good pieces and they're good at, and at tinkering with those, um, you know, got, like inserting somebody like Chris Archer back in that rotation, they may squeeze 
you know, squeeze that orange and, and get more out of him. And, you know, the, the last few years, what we saw in Pittsburgh will be a complete anomaly. Um, not that he's going to, you know, be a top 20 pitcher or anything all of a sudden, but um, there's a guy with some talent where they've had success with him prior. And um, that's an or- organization that identifies guys. They think, um, you know, ha- has some juice left still. So um, yeah, I, I, I agree there. I'd, I'd have to say. I'm way down on this team, Dan. Yeah. I, I love what they do on an annual basis. You're right. It's tough to count them out because they, they play with such brains. You know, there's such strategy to not, not just the roster building, but the game, the game by game analysis and decision making. So, you know, you want to, you're right. It's boring, but you want to root for somebody who's data driven like that, at least sometimes I think they've lost too much here. Here's the names I'm going to throw out to you. Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Aaron Loop, Sam McWilliams, Aaron Sleggers, Jose Alvarado, their closer, Hunter Renfro, Nate Lau. All gone this year. You know, nobody really jumps, jumps off the page at you. But those were all base were basically all core people <laughs> to, to last year's run. Um, you know, two major starters, two major bullpen pieces there, major, and a couple of good bats. To me, that's just too much. They didn't replace it, in my opinion. They didn't replace it properly. They, they're, they're throwing baloney at a wall, which is how small market teams have to operate sometimes. And I just don't think the pieces they brought in are going to do the job. So I'm going to pick against this team this year specifically, knowing that they, uh, you know, they, if they start to fall off, they're going to start selling like crazy because that's what happens with these teams. When they know they don't have it, they just gut it and start over. They don't waste money. They don't waste cash on a year where they don't have it. So if if they're even if there's even a hint that they think they really don't have it on a 162 basis, they're going to be real bad in my opinion, purposefully real bad. So I'm going to bank on that. I'm going to bank that they break it down by mid-July. That is probably the safer uh, the safer assumption that. Um, pieces are removed rather than pieces added. So um, this is a tough one for me on an over under if. Um, yeah, it's 86, uh, by the way. I know. And that's it. it I, I think them and the Blue Jays are, are, if I could take them at that number, I think I would, but um, I, I think both numbers are really efficient. If I'm back against the wall, I will side with you and, and say under here. Um, good division potential for selling at the deadline. Like you had said, I think those are factors. Um, yeah, that I could see them underperforming. Yeah. They definitely lost some, some good names there. I mean, Boston should be better and our next team Toronto should definitely be better. So that's gotta be wins taken away. And certainly Baltimore is going to have those wins taken away, but you know, in terms of projected wins, I think it's Tampa that loses more of those games than not. Right. That that's, that's my thinking. And if, if Vegas says Tampa and Toronto are the same teams, in terms of wins, 86 wins, I'm going to disagree with that. And I think you're going to have the same complaints about, about the Blue Jays. Am I wrong? I mean, did they do enough with that bullpen? And certainly is that rotation good enough to last 162? Because there's a lot of what ifs. Um, I mean, it's, it's Hunjin Ryu, Robbie Ray, Tanner Rourke, Steven Matz, and Ross Stripling. Kind of a, character, a cast of characters that were thrown away from the back end of a lot of good rotations. That's kind of what this is, right? Ross Stripling was like a number six guy. Steven Matz was like a number six guy. Tanner Rourke was like a number six guy in Washington. And Robbie Ray was, he's just been so up and down. There's just, you have no idea what you're going to get, including last year when he was terrible. 
So my guess is with Toronto, Dan, as we transition, that's where you want to focus, right? Right. Yeah. Um, also a team that's getting a lot of hype, almost um, like the Astros sure. last year, preseason hype where I, like in fantasy drafts, just people discussing them, period. Everybody likes everyone on that team. Um, so that gives me a little bit of a hesitation that may, maybe they underperform there. Really taking that pitching staff into consideration, like you pointed out, um, Yan Ryu, there's there's not a whole lot I feel real, real comfortable about there, even though there are talented pieces there that could put it all together and and perform um, much better than expected. But yeah, this is, I think this is the linchpin team in the division where they will be the domino that causes other, uh, you know, specifically causes other teams to, you know, either make their number or go under their number. So um, yeah, I, I am just going to say gut feeling under on the blue Jays. Um, But again, I I think signs point to them going on over this number, uh, but like I said earlier, I think if I could take them at this number, I think I would. I, I think it's a really efficient number. This one to me feels 100% correct. 100% correct. I think they're going to be second in this division at 86 wins. And there's really, I, I don't know. I don't know why we would bet any other, you know, it just seems right. Can a starting nine lineup, batting lineup that averages 26 years old win though in this league? Yeah, I have no doubt that their offense is primed to win. You, especially when you insert, um, excuse me, like a Marcus Simeon into the into that lineup. Sneaky and good, George, right? Sneaky good. And a, yeah, and a George Springer. Those two guys alone bring up, um, you know, the veteran status on that team. And I, I don't think there's any questions about the the youth there. I mean, they have a handful of the best young prospect. They're not even prospects anymore, but you know what I'm trying to say of the youngest players in the game. Um, so yeah, I think, um, I think on, I, I guess I want to say the hurdle would be if they turn into sort of like a Minnesota twins of the past where they dominate offensively during the year, but then they kind of get to the postseason and realize that they, they didn't have enough pitching to really win there. Um, but the, no doubt the offense is going to be so exciting to watch this year. Are we pushing? Are we allowed to push in this exercise? I know that's why I was going to say Let's some of these. It, Let's do it. Yeah, I, I like I like that number a lot for the Blue Jays, and that's why I say. And, and there's one I I'll probably want to push on in the next group we cover here. But yeah, I think the number is um, super efficient, super efficient. Okay, we need a jersey for Tampa and a jersey for Toronto, sir. Tampa is probably the worst situation in the league because you don't want to you don't want to bank <laughs> on anybody. Do they even term? sell jerseys? It's just like a rotate. Yeah, I know, right? It's a revolving this door. Is, this is where you just get the jersey with no name on the back or, or a number that's popular and you can switch the nameplate every couple of years. <laughs> um, I, I said for this Austin Meadows, even though he's probably not a guy that'll be there a long time, um, he's kind of the perfect candidate to have a bounce back year and then they sell at the deadline or something like that. Um, I mean, otherwise you're probably going real young with like a, like a Wander Franco top prospect in baseball kind of thing. But I like it. I think maybe I'd go with like Fred McGriff. <laughs> oh, Fred? sure. If you want to do that. I think I have to yeah, go Wade, there. The, the Wade Boggs. Is Boston Devers, by the way? Are we both in agreement on that? Or is it Bogarts? Yeah. Which which one's kind no. of the better long-term option there? No, I already gushed about Devers. So, yeah, I, I had him had him noted here as um, a guy. I, I just believe in long-term, like him a lot. Um Do you just, get, go do you just go in there into the Toronto gift shop and just randomly pick a jersey? 
because it doesn't even matter. I, too many names. Right? I, know. I know. It just doesn't I, even matter. That'd be one where I like kind of uh, give the eyeball test of, you know, if everyone's got a Vlad Jr. Uh, jersey, <laughs> then maybe I get a Bo Bichette jersey or something right. like that. <laughs> got to be a little more alternative, right? Tiasker. Tiasker is a good one, though. There's a ton of them. Lord He's going to match. I mean, yeah, there's the whole lineup. I mean, the whole lineup uh, is is solid. So, yeah. Pick, you know, pick of the litter there. I think I'm going Bo Bichette. He's more my type of player, but you can't go wrong. Kevin Biggio is cool. I, 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 whatever. This is such a fun team. I just, I hope it doesn't bust out. That's all. That's my only concern. I hope they can at least hold their own this year because you're right. It's crazy hype. Well-deserved hype. But generally speaking, when it's this hype, it's, there's a bit of a letdown at some point in the season. Speaking of which, let's turn to the Yankees who are projected nine game, nine wins more than anyone else in this division. They are 95.5 on the Vegas total right now, which is eight and a half, I should say, higher. Excuse me, nine and a half higher than Tampa and Toronto's 86. Is that enough? Full, dis- full disclosure, Zach Britton is in an MRI right now for his elbow, if that helps your decision at all. No, I, I think... I mean, I think at first glance, this number is high and it's projecting a lot of things go right for the Yankees. Um, I mean, could they, could they nail it? No, no doubt. There's plenty of talent on that roster. Um, Their bullpen is still excellent. Their stat, their starting pitching is not, um, you know, there's a lot of hope in that, in that starting five, in my opinion, but um, they could easily put it together and, and clear this number. No problem. I just think um, the probability is, you know, is that, it's more likely that they, they, that things go wrong. Judger Stanton missed a significant portion yeah. of the season yeah. or, um, you know, Kluber is not, you know, Kluber of three years ago. And, you know, it, it's just overall a disappointment to them, but um, yeah, it's a tough one. I think it's, I think it's high though, personally. I'm going to change my tune and throw a little curveball at you here. Um, you know, sometimes you do deep, deep dives into things like this and you realize why decisions were made from a roster building standpoint, it's kind of what I love about being so close to these numbers on a daily basis. The Yankees aren't building themselves for October right now. Um, They are building themselves to beat a young division. Corey Kluber, his job isn't to go 25 and two. You know what I mean? That's not what the Corey Kluber they want. They want somebody who's going to be smarter than all those Toronto batters and all those ridiculously young Tampa Bay Rays. And, you know, an unbelievably mishmashed Baltimore Orioles team. That's all they have to worry about for four to five months, you know, is can we just be a a step above our division? And I actually think they've done that. You know, Jamison Tyon is is the X factor for me because he's kind of in that prime phase of his career, especially coming off the, uh, you know, the, uh, the cancer situation. He, you know, he's on borrowed time right now in terms of getting into that prime. He could really take a step forward. I mean, he could really become a Yankee quickly here. And if he and Garrett Cole now become a ridiculous one-two long-term, they're going to be in really good shape. But, you know, the Klubers of the world, along with, I mean, you just pick your name. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a roster of aging veterans or rookies who are getting real close to needing a big payday, if, if that's how you look, like to look at it. Um, but... When I, when I think about the Yankees in terms of their division, they have enough pitching. 
I don't think they have enough pitching right now to win the World Series or maybe even win the American League, but they certainly have enough to get through this American League East, and we know they're going to mash. I mean, we, we know Aaron Hicks is going to have more home runs than he should, and Luke Voigt, who was the home run king last year, by the way, you know, and who knows with Gary Sanchez and Clint Frazier's first time in a full-time role. I, I like this team a lot. I don't love this team because it wouldn't be the way I'd build a roster, but I actually think that there's a ton of reasoning. So can you poke holes in that? Or is it hard not to think about the Yankees and the, and the American league East and just say it's theirs to lose? Um, no, no, I, I think I, I like your analysis a lot there. I, I, it is theirs to lose. I think there's a reason that they're projected for the third highest win total. Um, you're right. The offense is insane and um, could easily be the best offense in, right. in the entire league. So, yeah, I think um, I, I just feel like the, the number looks high. But, yeah, I think I'll say over with you as well. I, I think I, ch- I think you talked me into changing my tune as well. You made a good point. Yeah. All right. We're over on the Yankees. We are pushing the Blue Jays. We're both. Are we both under Tampa? Is that what we said? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We are over on Boston. And we are split on Baltimore. So there's a, this is a fun one. This is a fun little division because it's, you know, the Yankees may run away with it in terms of the standings, but there's a lot of names here. That Toronto team is must-see television. I hope they're on so much primetime. Um, I imagine they will be because of the, the marketing it'll bring, but uh, there's just so much there for sure. Who is the Yankees jersey you're buying right now, Dan? This is tough. Who are they going to yeah, keep? I'm- yeah, probably Glaber Torres. If I just am going kind of like a long term name there. Um, yeah, he's definitely the, the the shortstop of the future. I mean, there are so many shortstops that need two hundred million dollars right now, and he's one of them. Is that that just seems like a slam dunk for the Yankees? No, when you put it that way, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but I, I don't know who else to pick. You know, who else is going to be there long term? You know, Aaron Judge, Stan. You like uh, same thing with the Blue Jays. You can kind of pick pick of the litter of kind of superstars that they have, but it, you know, LeMahieu, he's going to be there a while now, you know, do, are you going to buy a Jersey of a 30 year old dude who's going to be there for the next five years? I'm not, <laughs> not sure that that's a tough team in my opinion for that kind of thing. Yeah. But, they feel, um, they feel older than they really are. Don't they? It's because the rest of the division is so damn young, but they're, they're just veteran. There's just a lot of real veteran pieces here and it's going to get really expensive fast. So I understand that, but yeah, I don't even know if there's a kid I would latch onto. Severino is so, hit and miss right now and he'll be back in July ish. Right. But that, yeah, I guess Torres is the easy one. Maybe the simplest one. I mean, Garrett Cole's here for another six years too, most likely. Right. But that's probably one of your two options there. Gary Sanchez might not even make it to April. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just knowing how that could go. All right. Good stuff. Um, take a quick break. We'll be back and let's flip it to the national league East. All right, crossing over to the National League. The National League East is, I think, more polarizing than the American League East for a lot of reasons. But we'll start at the bottom like we did before. Same state, <laughs> Miami. This is a team that went to the postseason last year in a weird year, but they they just didn't go away. Um, they lost some players. Jose Arena, you know, Ryan Stanek, a couple of middling relief pitchers as well. They added something. I mean, I don't know how much they added, but they added Adam Duvall, kind of cast away from Atlanta, that one of their division rivals here, and a bunch of relief pitchers. I mean, Dylan Floro, Adam Simber, John Curtis, just tons of depth. Ross Detweiler can do a bunch of things. 
you know, in terms of the, the, the differential war that they added, they added maybe one point, <laughs> one war point here in terms of what they lost and what they gained. So they're just kind of trying to hold their fort too. It, it appears they obviously, you know, have something good going. 71 and a half is the number, um, which to me indicates Vegas thinks that the other four teams in this division are just going to beat the hell out of each other. And Miami is going to be kind of falling by the wayside. Is that how you see it? Or is this a good team getting undervalued? I, I kind of like them um, quite a bit, actually. I like it, it, just in comparison, if you want to like um, compare them to the Orioles who were what 63 or, you know, the other, lo- yeah. the, the pirates at 61. Um, I think, they're quite a bit better. I mean, I know that's a seven game difference. I think they're quite a bit better than both those teams there though. So um, I, I do truly think this team is maybe a year away from really taking a big step forward. So I think that that number is pretty, pretty spot on there. Um, but I, you know, I, I would, as like a fan of wanting to root for them, I, I would take the over there. I kind of like this team a lot. Uh, the pitching staff is ridiculously undervalued. Ridiculously undervalued. I mean, Incredible. Sandy it, Alcantara, it, Pablo Lopez, Ilazar Hernandez, and Sixto Sanchez as the number four, by the way, which won't that won't last for long. I mean, he is a top two player, top two rotation guy. That You don't know those names probably, but I'm telling you right now, those guys are all legit pitchers in this league, and they're going to be for the next few seasons in Miami until they get too expensive. That That alone should be enough to carry them through a decent amount of wins. And, you know, I kind of glossed over the Adam Duvall pickup from Atlanta. He's going to slot in as their cleanup hitter. So, so it's not like they're not going to need that player, you know, whether or not he brings value or not. But this is a lot of kids and a couple of 30-year-olds who have played a lot of balls. Starling Marte, of course, Corey Dickerson at the top of the lineup. There's names here. And then there's a pitching staff you probably don't know enough about to really value properly. And I'm not... I, I would bet on Vegas thinking that way too, not knowing enough and feeling like they needed to see more. That That's an over bet for me. If I feel like the team has a chance to be much better than what the number says, I have to, I'd have to bet it the over. I, I would bet real money on the over on this one. Yeah. You laid it out. Great. Mike. I, I, um, I, that's how I, I did a poor job of explaining it, but that's, that's really how I feel. I think um, this team is more talented than that number suggests. Sure. And, and and really the, the pitching staff is, is maybe one of the better ones in, you know, top to bottom in the entire league. I mean, they probably have five, at least number three pitchers on almost every other team in the league. Um, all those guys are young under team control. Um, so I, I, I like that a lot. And, and I, you know, if, if we're trying to get into Vegas's head, cause you almost said it there and I think you stopped yourself cause you realized what was happening when you put that starting rotation up against Washington or New York or Atlanta right now, it's they're arguably worse. You know, Philadelphia too with Wheeler and Nola. I mean, they're arguably worse right now in terms of named starting pitchers. But I think you and I both believe that the ceilings might be similar for all of these rotations and that these guys just haven't done it for long enough to, to warrant the respect out of the gate. So that's always a reason to bet, in my opinion. If they just don't have the respect yet, I'd bet it. I'd bet it over. And I'd bet that one of those, you know, that maybe the Nats rotation either gets injured or is maybe starting to decline a little bit and maybe come back down to life a little. And that's all you'd need to get over 71 and a half. It's not like you're going for 500 here. You're just trying to be, you know, basically win, you know, a little more than a third of your games. That's crazy in this league, right? Yeah. 
Agreed. Agreed. I think their offense is going to struggle, but like you said, they're going to pitch their way to a, you know, a number of wins. So, um, yeah, a lot of two one Vicks. Yep. I I agree with that. Yep. Agree. All right. Who's the Jersey. It's funny you said is, or you like immediately brought them up, but, um, I, I, and I know on our previous podcast, I said, I probably wouldn't pick any pitchers here, but Pablo Lopez, I think he is a, I think he's a guy that, um, really emerges as maybe even like a top 15, um, you know, pitcher in the league this year and takes a huge step forward and maybe even into the territory where they, they think he's a guy they kind of want to try and extend here before mm. he gets into, into his end of arbitration year. So, um, yeah, I threw him out there. There, most of the offensive guys are just a guy kind of guys yeah. like, um, you know, Brian Anderson. And if you offensively, I'll throw a name out there that I do like long-term Monty Harrison. Mm-hmm. He, he's kind of a nice, well-rounded player that um, might turn into something. So I'm kind of rooting for him. He's a guy I might, might be interested in really though. I, I kind of like their jerseys, So I'd probably I know. Pick, pick anybody. <laughs> Can I get Sixto on the back instead of Sanchez? Yeah, right. That'd be cool. <laughs> That's a badass jersey name, Sixto, especially for a pitcher. What a freaking name. Yeah, you uh, can wear it while he's mowing down Mets. <laughs> well, well, Monty Harrison was a Met killer, so I'm going to leave that alone. Let's right. go to Philadelphia. 81 and a half's the number. They lose Jake Arrieta, probably thankfully. Uh, David Phelps, a couple of, couple of relievers, Brandon Workman, a couple of you know acquisitions that they tried to push forward with. No real big losses, no real big gains, except for, I, I mean, I consider Jose Alvarado a good get from Tampa. As, as a back-end guy, this is a situation that they have to fix. Here's how they're going to fix it. Ready? <laughs> Jose Alvarado, Archie Bradley, Chase Anderson, Brandon Kinsler, Tony Watson, Sam Coonrod. They, they basically said, we'll take any reliever who will even consider coming to Philadelphia for a year. They, they're bringing in everybody. Um, and they're just going to hope that two or three of those guys actually work out for the season because they know that's where they need to fix. Um, I just don't know if they can get there. This is a this is a murderer's division in terms of bats and things like that. So, eighty uh, one's about right. You know, one game over five hundred gets you the over here. So Vegas doesn't really know what to do with them either. Where are you on this? I'm gonna say under on on this one. Really, with the thought of um, we both like the Marlins. I like some other other teams in this division. Obviously, we'll get to you know down the road here. But um, yeah, I, I'm gonna say under the Phillies haven't really done much to impress me. I mean, they, ha- they obviously have some nice pieces in their lineup. Um, you know, a front, a front end starter and Aaron Nola beyond that. I, I just think this is a good, pretty good division all around. So uh, I, the, the winds have to fall off somewhere. I think it, it could be Philly. Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm going to, I'm just going to give you the, the, the answer. I don't think they fixed their bullpen. Uh, you know, maybe they improved it. And their number three and four pitchers feels like groundhog day. Zach Offlin, Vince Velasquez, uh, I've seen so much of them as, as a diehard Mets fan. And I'm just telling you, it was probably time to replace at least one of those players. And they didn't. So I, do, I don't think they have enough in the tank to really get themselves to a plus 500 and a contention, contender team in this division. So we'll just stay over on that. Who's your jersey on Philly? Is it still Harper? Is that still the cool jersey? Um, no, I think he's, oh, really? kind of a, he, he's kind of a fantasy helium guy, but Alec Baum is a oh, former yeah. first round pick, could be a stud in, you know, going forward. I think he would probably be my personal slam dunk there. So. Is Hoskins yeah, I mean, going to be yeah. here? Because I like Hoskins. I do too. I just, I mean, he's kind of a post hype guy too, who really had one monster yeah. year, but he, he just can't, his contact though is just brutal. I mean, he's, he's a, 
bona fide power hitter, but I mean, does Spencer Howard you, you get this rotation, Dan? Is he going to be the guy that replaced that number three pitcher, Spencer Howard, or is it too early? I guess I don't have a good read on that yet. He he might get in there, and and especially if we sit, you know, if Vince Velasquez is getting lit up by you yeah. know by June, then there might be some um, moves to be made there. Whether it's that or um, you know, Phil, Dombrowski and Philly has has not been one to not make bold moves. Oh yeah, either. they're going to go. Yeah, yeah kind of double <laughs> negative there, but they're if he sees room for improvement and somebody he likes is available and he has pieces to get there, he'll get there. So, um, it's a good point. This is a whole different uh, thought process on Philly right now. So you're right. They're not going to sit in their hands, but that could mean going forward or backwards, quite frankly. Right. Washington, 84 wins. This is a really good team. They just really are. Um, they lose Adam Eaton. They lose his Drew Cabrera, Michael A. Taylor, a, a platoon center fielder, a couple of uh, bullpen pen players, Kurt Suzuki, kind of a every other day catcher who actually had some real value for that team. So it's basically Jan Gomes' team to lose right now in terms of the catcher, which actually that could be a bit of a, an important point to think about. Really pretty solid additions, though. Kyle Schwarber, that just seemed like the logical landing spot for him. John Lester on a basic minimum contract, uh, you know, he's just going to have to hold his own. They don't, really, don't need much more than him after Scherzer, Corbin, Strasburg. Um, so that's a solid pickup as well. I think the Brad Hand move is sneaky, sneaky good, as is the Josh Bell acquisition from Pittsburgh. Those are two that really stand out to me as could really have impact throughout the 162 and, and at least keep them afloat in certain situations because, you know, you just can't go into their year with Ryan Zimmerman at first base. You just can't do it, <laughs> you know? I know the, the legacy situation, and he, they did sign him back, and maybe he doesn't last the whole year. We've seen that before, but... Uh, this guy's a a big time power hitter. He's not the greatest defensive first baseman out there, but it's an upgrade. So they they definitely got better in my opinion. And we know the rotation at, when it's healthy is going to be great. So are they the third best team in this division? I agree with that. And me saying Philly under was with a lot largely with this in mind. I. I, I like the Nationals a lot, and admittedly, this is a team. I'm I'm glad we did this division this week because a week ago, um, I think I would have said the under and said a whole bunch of stuff I hated about them prematurely. But after looking at them, I really like this team pretty much outside of the bullpen, um, I, I, which has some question marks. I I really like this team. I think they're, um, I I think they have two very legitimate MVP candidates in yes. in yes. not only Juan Soto but I I know me and you spoke about this offline. I think Trey Turner. Yeah. Um, if I had a hundred dollars to throw on an MVP pick right now, I think it would be Trey Turner. I think, um, he's coming into the prime. Um, probably gonna hit third in that lineup behind um, Soto, which is nasty. Yeah, exactly. And in between him and Josh Bell, which is a nice protection, which he's never really had before. His power numbers have kind of uh, went up every single year. He steals a ton of bags, hits for average. We know um, all those things are important um, in the MVP, MVP voting. So, um, yeah, I, I just period really like this lineup. Um, Josh Bell, it may not work out, but I, I, I like that pickup a lot in terms of the context of um, – you know, not knowing Ryan Zimmerman, if he's going to come back and the things you said about him kind of being well past his prime. Um, I thought Josh Bell was a really, really yeah, nice buy. Candidate. Yeah. Me too. And, and, and he's streaky along with Schwarber. They're both real streaky. So if that's your four or five in your batting order, 
you just start, you just rotate those guys based on who's hitting. That's all. You know what I mean? It, it seems real simple how they put this together this offseason. They clearly like their top three hitters and top three pitchers, and it's just about filling in the right kind of blanks after that. I think they've done it, and as a Mets fan, I'm terrified for that. I think they are – yeah, I think uh, – look, if – you know, they fixed the baseball <laughs> or brought the baseball back, whatever, however you want to say it, which is a lot of a lot of smart people that I listen to basically say, you know, the power is going to be down. There's no question about it that the power was being amplified by whatever freaking rubber bands were inside this ball or whatever, you know, <laughs> the, whatever you want to say about it. So if that means that power as a whole is going to be cut down, guys like Trey Turner should be right there for the having for these kind of awards. He's the perfect candidate. The five tool guy should be somewhat back. And that's what Trey Turner is. He always has been. And I think I'll get a little bit more focus this year if Soto's numbers don't pop off the page as much. But uh, it's sneaky good from you. It's a really good call by you that those kind of guys really should be amplified this year. Yeah, I, and just looking down the lineup, like I mean, Trey Turner is a guy who led off a lot in his career, and not you know maybe this is finally Victor Robles year yeah. where he turns into the guy. You know, he's a great outfield defensive outfielder. Um, he's never really hit enough, you know, and gotten on base enough. Um, to, to lead off, he's always had to hit, you know, eighth or last year, ninth in that order. Um, but he might, he might be a perfect leadoff guy. If he can get on base more hitting in front of all those guys, um, you know, Soto might be the best player in baseball right now. Um, you know, I don't say that lightly, but the, the, the line, even Starling Castro, Starling Castro hitting sixth or seventh in that lineup. I mean, it's, it's deep for an NL team in my opinion. And, and Patrick Corbin had a, a down year last year, not a hundred percent sure what you're going to get out of Strasburg. Um, you know, Scherzer will probably be Max Scherzer, maybe not as elite as he has been in the past, but um, you have all the makings there of a, of a team that's definitely going to be in it. You know, I, I don't see how they're not in it until the end. Um, you know, yeah. and I think it's, ad, we'll get to it here in the next two teams, but as a whole, the, the, the totals, you know, are, are pretty low in this division. And I think, you know, like you alluded to earlier, it's going to be a dogfight here. And I think Vegas is, is, um, you know, confirming that for us. Who's your Jersey. They going to sign Turner, by the way. So, so that I feel like every so, shortstop can't be signed, right? That's just not exactly, going to be possible. Yeah. There's so many good shortstops in this league now. So I, I almost think shortstop eventually sort of turns into a running back type situation and the, not to that extreme, oh, but you know what I'm trying that's to say. A hot where, take, sir. Yeah. So we'll get to that maybe on a, on a different day, but so Trey, Trey Turner is, uh, you know, I, I, I admittedly I have a man crush, so he would have been probably my, my pick there, but um, for the reasons of me thinking he might not be there long-term, I would say Soto because he is another one of my favorite players in the league. So, um, and he's obviously locked up for a while, but I don't think they let him out of town. Um, anyways. So they're going to try to extend him every single month. He's going to say no. Cause he's a Boris guy, but they're, right. they're going to try to pay him every single month. He's that good. He is Manny Ramirez with more power and less steroids. That's what he is right now. Yep. Uh, and, and, and that, and that ownership firm, he's the kind of guy, though, I, I guess I say that because that ownership firm is uh, is pretty one of the wealthier ones in the league. They've been, um, you know, back to Jason Worth and, in, in, you know, more recently, they're sure. they're willing to spend money. So I could see even if Soto wants to go to the market, I could say them saying, you know, if if we let him marinate there a few more years and he turns into the best player in the league, I could see them saying, you know, go ahead and test the market and then come back to us with the number you want, you know, so um yeah, I, I just I just like Juan Soto long term. So 
Okay. Let's get to it. I'll let you drive. Take my Mets, sir. Yeah, so 91 is the over-under. Go for it. So the Mets are another one of these, you know, you're, you're probably getting a theme here with like the White Sox and, um, you know, the, the Blue Jays, these, Padres. these hype teams yep. that everybody, everybody seems to be in on. Nobody can say a single bad thing about them. Um, and, and I don't, I'm not going to be the guy to say it about the Mets. I just, you know, historically that kind of thing makes me, let, let me back up. There's basically two camps here, the camp of it's the Met, it's the same old Mets. And no matter what moves they made, they're still going to be the same old Mets. And the <laughs> flip side of that is the people that just are unapologetically supporting them and saying that this, this is the year and they made the moves that they need to, you know, that there's no, there's no gray area in on this team. I feel like, you know, amongst pu- public perception. So, um, I really like the team top to bottom. I think the pitching staff is good. I think the bullpen is very good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess I sort of tried to lay that out. Like I was going to take under, um, I'm going to take the over here though. on the Mets. <laughs> I just, I just really like the, um, I like the lineup and I'm going to go against the grain of these teams where I think that um, they're going to underperform based on public perception. Um, and I'm going to kind of go against that and say that I, I think the Mets, the Mets have enough pieces there this year um, to contend in that division. I, they're, they're clearly better than, um, you know, at least two of the teams likely Washington as well. It, it, you know, it's them in the Braves division to um, battle it out likely. So you, 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 uh, you, you tell me, why the fan and you thinks that um, that is right or wrong. I'm going to keep this really simple. Sometimes one player comes on a team and changes everything, not just from production, not just from culture, but just everything changes because this guy's here for whatever that is, the intangible part of it. You know what I mean? Like the belief that they can all of a sudden win. Not even that, Dan. It's not it's not even about, well, this guy's gonna make us win ninety-five games now. Yeah, I can't believe this guy's here. It is literally having that person in the locker room, in the dugout, on the buses, it's just making everybody's life better. And I think Francisco Lindor is that player. I think he is exactly that kind of intangible player that two hundred and fifty million dollars soon can't even buy. He is just that kind of, you know, you've seen the smile, you've seen the light, you've seen how much fun he has with reporters. That has to translate to the players on a day-to-day basis. And this group of Mets was already close-knit. And there's no way there's no way that having this guy come in doesn't amplify this entire locker room. I don't think they're better than the Braves. I'm not even sure they're better than the Washington Nationals on paper. But I'm still going to put real money on them <laughs> to win this division. So I'm over. I think this is the best overall team, both from a production and from an intangible situation um, in the entire National League East. I'm over on the Mets. I'm not just going home around it. I really think the moves they made were enough this year. And Frankie's the jersey I'm buying, of course, although I'm not, yeah, I'm not allowed to call him Frankie. Francisco, <laughs> Mr. Lindor, I'm buying your jersey this year. Tell me why the Braves yeah. are going to win this division. Um. Because they're loaded. I, I don't <laughs> well no. So I, I think it comes down to the pitch the pitching. I, and I I mean, yeah, that's a that's an easy thing to say in in anything. But really with these two teams, 
Offensively, they are both loaded. Um, the Braves have a lot of good pitching pieces. If they stay healthy or if they come, you know, if they, if they come back last year from injuries and I, I think it's the Braves to lose. Um, and a lot of that is just the personnel on there on that team. Um, and they have a lot of good youngsters too, that are, are kind of backfilling positional openings, but um yeah, I don't. I, I, this is an extremely tough one. The the Braves and the Met, and the Mets are um, the class of the division. They're it's hard to poke holes in either roster. Um, so you're kind of just flipping a coin here. And I and I think that's, you know, kind of shown here. And the win totals are almost identical. So I'm going under because I think the Mets are going to sneak this out. Uh, I don't know why. You know, a lineup with Acuna Jr. and Albies and Freeman and. Ozuna and Dansby Swanson and Austin Riley and Kristen Pass shouldn't destroy right. everybody in this division. But I mean, Max Freed is good. Is he going to be great? Is he going to be sub four again? ERA is Charlie Morton. Can Charlie Morton stay sub four? I don't know. At some point it's going to decline. And is Ian Anderson going to take the step they need? Because that's how they, that's how they are better than the Mets. You know, their closers are good. Yep. They've got a good bullpen, an adequate bullpen. The Mets should have a better bullpen. They've done that. that was, they've addressed that was this the, three years in a row and, and they continue to address it. They are not sitting on their hands with this bullpen situation. And I, so I give the Mets the advantage that in, in, in both pitching regards right now. So it should be even if I'm giving the, the advantage of the, the position players to the, to the Braves and the pitching to the Mets. And who, who doesn't say out loud regularly that pitching wins in, in baseball, right? So that's, that's it. That's why I'm, I'm going under on the Braves, even though this is a freaking great team. Not uh, not much to add there. I, I I think you uh, I think you laid it out pretty well. So both both are just loaded and a um, lot of room for success there. So does Dansby Swanson get a contract? Um. See, yeah, that's I, I don't know. I just don't know. It's going to be musical chairs with shortstops at some point, right? Yeah. Like not not every good young shortstop can get paid. You know. 250 plus million dollars so that's where like you know there's so many good young prospects in the league too that play shortstop and then will be moved around to second or outfield spots like it's really tough to project where the shortstop market is going to go in the coming years that's 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 my two cents on it to the point where i don't even want to try and predict where guys are going to you know i yeah okay it's tough so acuna jr jersey um, no, I would take Freddie Freeman just cause he's probably one of my favorite players in baseball. Um, I just really like that profile player, kind of humble, um, super well-rounded does everything good, including defense. Um, yeah, Freddie Freeman, love him up for a contract extension, by the way, it's, it's a contract year for Freddie Freeman, kind of the grandfather on this team right now. Uh, right. it's just so good when you see this team on paper, it's so good, but I'm going under. All it's right. funny you say Ian Anderson too, because he I was know. literally the vi- he was literally the visual I had when I said if their pitching collapses, it's you know they're in rough spot, and he is the guy. He could be a bona fide ace in the coming years, or he might revert, um, you know, revert way back, and and he's he's going to be a critical part of that um, that staff this year. So good stuff, cousin Dan. We'll be back uh, right. in a couple episodes with the West divisions. There's so much to get to there. I mean, that is oh. just so that's. No question, the the West Divisions drove the offseason for a lot of reasons. But uh, good stuff on the East, for sure. Thanks. Sounds good. Thanks. Can't wait.